And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. Starcast, the German football pod brought to you by The Athletic. Match day 15 was a big one. Bayern lost in Gladbach, Dortmund won in Leipzig and so did Schalke. Yes, this isn't one of my lame intro jokes. Schalke 04 of Gelsenkirchen did actually beat Hoffenheim 4-0 to leave all the Tasmania talk behind them once and for all, until they go on to their next poor run at least. Elsewhere, we pay tribute to another fine Stuttgart showing. Commiserate Union for blowing the chance to put more pressure on the Champions League places and we wonder which big name could come in to make Hertha great again. Or for once rather. Christoph Biermann and Kevin Hatchard are on board to make sense of all the madness. But before that, here's our weekly reminder that you can listen to this pod free of ads and read all The Athletic's wonderful content for only £3.99 a month right now. Go to theathletic.com slash Stahlkastpod to sign up. Right, good morning, guys. So many big games to talk about. It felt like a momentous match day. Every single game had something going on or another. What was, would you say, the most important result as far as the whole season was concerned, Christoph? Strangely, I would say Dortmund winning at Leipzig because it looks like as if Edin Terzic had, has managed to turn things around at uh, Borussia Dortmund and uh, uh, turned them into a hard-working team now. And uh, because I was pretty impressed how how they won the match at Leipzig, had difficult at the first half, but uh, a very good second half also when it comes to attacking the opponent, not just defending him. And uh, yeah, I was impressed. But 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 you're right. Uh, we can also talk about Schalke, a fantastic win. We can talk about um, Bayern Munich losing and Gladbach winning and so on. But but I, I, I was particularly impressed by Borussia Dortmund. I'd agree with Christoph on that because I think it's important for Dortmund to kind of prove to themselves really that they're still a contender at the top end because there was a lot of talk about whether Leipzig have taken over from them as the most realistic challengers to Bayern and these games are often decided by tiny margins if Danny Olmo scores at 1-0 down instead of hitting the post maybe it's a different game maybe Leipzig then have got a bit of momentum but I think it's not just the fact that Dortmund won it was the way they performed in both halves in different ways defensively strong in the first half really Really, really good going forward in the second half. I mean, the quality of the goals was incredible. So uh, I think psychologically, that's a massive step forward for them. And Jaden Sancho produced another good performance. So that's great for his confidence. I think you're both right. Uh, Dortmund's 
win felt hugely important, certainly in the context of their own season. Uh, with Bayern losing, they're only five points adrift now. And there's a sense that maybe, just maybe, they're championship contenders once more. Whereas all the talk before the game and with Tezic coming, uh, getting in was, of course, them achieving top four because the season had been kind of slipping away from them. Did we see enough, Christoph, to suggest that this can be a more regular process? I was, like you, particularly impressed with the way that they, they didn't necessarily press high, but they kept the team high to make it difficult for, for Leipzig to play out. They did a lot of moving around, cutting off angles, and Leipzig ultimately couldn't couldn't cope and lost the ball in, in difficult areas. And then Dortmund took full advantage and played some beautiful stuff in in small transitions, if you will, uh, three or four touches before the goal. Is that a viable and a realistic prospect to see that happening more often now? I, I think so, because you could uh, see it also uh, the week before when they were defeating Wolfsburg, a team that is difficult to, to overcome and um, in the same way. And we, we all know how, how good they are in attack, uh, especially when uh, Erling Haaland is back and, and you have uh, Gio Reyna on the pitch and Jaden Sancho and Marco Reus and so on. So during this season, very often you had the impression that the foundation was was missing or there was lacking, uh, they were lacking uh, defensive coherence. And, and that's what we see from them now. And I think that's uh, really um, important and and my, my impression is that um, uh, Terzic has found a way yeah, to to the to the ability of his to the ability of players that are not natural defenders or na naturally working against uh, the ball like Marco Reus for example or Jaden Sancho and, and Gio Reyna and now you see it from them and they they trying to do their best in in that respect and and that's so important for Borussia Dortmund and and if they if they keep this they can be yeah a, a contender for, for the title again something that has slipped away from them during the season how big do you think is the blow of losing Axel Witzel for the rest of the season he went down hurting his uh, Achilles tendon very unlikely to come back before before the, the Euros even I think it's a blow but but I I wouldn't see a Witzel as as uh, the key player of, for the team or not even one of the key players so I think they um, uh, find ways they will find ways to play with Delaney maybe with Emre Can or others um, on in this position maybe the quality will drop a bit there, but not uh, to a huge extent. Be interesting if Tezic somehow finds space for Julian Brandt in this team. Maybe against slightly more defensive opposition, he might be an option where they don't need two holding midfielders. I don't know if that upsets the balance too much, but I think it would be would be great to see him at least try doing that. We know about the quality of, of, of Julian Brandt, but but uh, he especially, uh, I think, is one of the players who 
um, has to to learn the other part of the uh, of football that is important now for every offensive player that you have to work against the ball. I mean, a, an aspect we we um, have to talk about later on also when we talk about uh, Bayern and others. So so um, what we see now football in in 2021 is everybody has to work against the ball, and if you you have the best offensive qualities and but but you're not able uh, to to do this other part you will be struggling and that's uh, that's one of the problems that uh, Julian Brandt has and uh, uh, maybe also Terzic finds a way to help uh, Brandt to overcome this because uh, uh, no doubt about it he's a fantastic player everybody has to work apart from Lionel Messi of course that's the big exception. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's easy to forget with Brandt as well sometimes that he hasn't played central midfield for that long he was a, a kind of wideish forward for quite a long time. It was Peter Boss who moved him into that central role with Leverkusen. And he's obviously kept that role with Dortmund. But it does take a long while, I think, to understand the two-way nature of that position. And I think with him as well, because he's been in and out of the team, he always feels a bit like a rhythm player, like a confidence player. But there's still a huge amount of quality in there. What about Leipzig? Obviously a huge amount of quality in that team as well. You can talk about tactical issues. You can talk about them giving the ball away too easily in the, uh, in the second half in front of their own goal. But was it ultimately, if you look at both 11s, Kristoff uh, and Kevin, simply a case of one team with slightly more individual quality coming out on top. Yeah, I would agree. If you have two teams uh, that are balanced in 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 the in their organization and the work against the ball, in the end, the team with a better individual quality will win. And that's again saying uh, good things about Borussia Dortmund on the one hand side. And um, I mean, still uh, Leipzig is 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 a very 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 good team, and they 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 had the chance also to go 1-0 up and maybe we don't know what, what would have happened then so but yes from the point of individual quality they are a bit smaller team than Borussia Dortmund and uh, it says a lot about the enormous quality of the work of uh, Julian Nagelsmann that he has uh, kept them so high this season and also last already last season it feels like this is the final step they have to take as a football club, because if you look at their performances against Dortmund last season, they lost at home, away from home they should have lost, but Dortmund imploded in that crazy 3-3 draw that we saw against Bayern. They obviously gave them a real scare earlier this season, but again, it was a draw against Bayern instead of a win. And so in these big games, they've already lost at Gladbach as well this season. So in these big games against elite sides in the division, they are still falling a little bit short. They're very good at knocking off the Augsburgs and the Mainzers and being very consistent generally in those games. But in these games against the big hitters, they're still not winning as often as they should be if they want to be considered as challengers for trophies. And this is the key question, isn't it, um, Christoph? I mean, if Julian Nagelsmann, this is slightly speculative, but but bear with me. If Julian Nagelsmann and Leipzig finish third this season, uh, in a season where both Dortmund and Bayern are not at their best, 
would that suggest maybe to to Nagelsmann, look, um, I'm working at the very top of my abilities here, but ultimately I'm coming coming up against a system where there's at least two teams that will always have better players than me. If I really want to fulfill my ambition of winning stuff, I probably have to move on. Is this the sort of season that might, or the, the lesson of the season that might actually make up his mind, you think? Could be, because he is, he, he is a very ambitious person. And, and if he has the impression that there is a, a glass ceiling at uh, Leipzig uh, um, that he can't get uh, uh, through and bangs his head, he might think about moving uh, somewhere else. But where could that be? Interesting. It could be a, a European team. So, a, I mean, a North German team. I don't know if... If he, if there would be a chance um, for him to to become uh, Borussia Dortmund's coach, would, could be an option. So yeah, yeah, but 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 the, I think it's 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 a it's a good question. But let's see. I mean, we we have we have been talking about um, Leipzig becoming the new number one, possibly after uh, Borussia Dortmund had so many problems, and uh, and and my my feeling is that the season uh, will be a roller coaster for a lot of teams uh, till the end and and maybe uh, maybe Leipzig is 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 lucky in that and uh, gets higher maybe to second and I, I I still wouldn't write them off for for winning the title because yeah it's a very special season uh, but in general you're right I mean um, there there is a limit for the ambition uh, for of, of Julian Nagelsmann and if his ambitions are bigger he might move on well maybe the Bayern job will be open soon as well. Because Hansi Flick is, is absolutely <laughs> losing it uh, in a quite literal sense. Second game already this season. Um, that's uh, unusual for this Bayern team. Uh, they lost 3-2 at Gladbach, having been 2-0 up. Maybe the problem was that they're so accustomed to coming from behind, they can no longer um, do it in another <laughs> position. But um, who knows? I mean, it, it felt like a big deal for Gladbach. I am not sure, actually, that it was that big a deal for Bayern. When you looked at the uh, reactions from the likes of Müller and Gratzka, they were very matter-of-fact, kind of analysing tactical mistakes, Bayern losing the ball in difficult areas, Hansi Flick making the point that, you know, when there's no pressure on the midfield, you shouldn't play such a high line, you should uh, cover the space rather than try to uh, play the offside. Little situations like that made ultimately made the difference. And we've seen those... Little situations before being an issue for Bayern, but unlike that Gladbach game, perhaps they weren't up against opposition that would that could punish them for it. The bigger question is not so much what happened in the game. For me, the question is, can they reconnect with the way of playing that negates these issues or, or at least helps avoid some of them? And here... Here's my slightly more doubtful take on this. All along, it feels as if Flick's way of playing and the conditions on the ground when it comes to the personnel, tiredness levels, energy levels, etc., doesn't quite line up. And it doesn't matter so much when Bayern score 46 goals, uh, more than anyone else in the league by, by quite a distance. But of course, it does matter when perhaps you're a little bit off it up front and you can see 24 goals, which is more than anyone else in the top six as well. So where where do they go from here? It's going to be a question of faith, I think. 
in, in the sense that if they still believe that's the right way to play, uh, I still think when they will believe. When you say they, do you mean the team the players or the and coach or both of them uh, together? I think as a collective. I think as a collective okay. because it was interesting listening to Leon Goretzka before the season even started because he did express doubts about whether they could maintain it with so many games. However, even though there are these weaknesses, even though they coughed up possession in their own half time and time again, and that led to these goals for Gladbach and and ultimately led to that defeat. If you look at the situation going into this game, and they are still top of the table, they won their Champions League group, they wiped the floor with Atletico Madrid along the way. So they're still in every competition. They've won the Super Cups, the DFL Super Cup, the UEFA Super Cup for what that's worth. You'd have to think they'll probably win the Club World Cup that's coming up. So they are still winning games. They are still winning trophies. It is still a major shock when they lose. And that way of playing, I think, still is the right way of playing. It is going to be a question of whether they can tighten up. I think there are players that aren't at the same level as they were last season. There's been a lot of talk about David Alaba's statistics in terms of the challenges that he wins, uh, in terms of his uh, behaviour in transition, if you like. He's not quite as sharp as he was uh, maybe last season. And so I think if they do stick to the plan, eventually it will come good because that belief that they will always outscore the opposition, by and large, holds true. I mean, to have scored 46 goals in 15 games is ludicrous, really. And so, yeah, they'll be a bit concerned, but there were echoes of last season when they dominated the first hour of this fixture at Gladbach last season, ended up losing the game. They dominated the first hour of the uh, first half hour of this game, rather, ended up losing the game. But it could easily have gone the other way. So, I don't think they should be too concerned. I still feel they're the best team in Europe, and I still feel their way of playing is probably still the right way. Still the best team in Europe, Christoph? Well, it's a that's a big word, um, but still the big best team in Germany, uh, surely. Yeah, there are doubts, and and I think they will creep in the collective um if uh, uh, how kevin said this because it's taking so much energy we have talked about this uh, bizarre statistic that they had eight games in a row where they were one nil down now they were two nil up uh, in, and losing it and um, i had the feeling after 30 minutes Uh, that I could switch off the television because they were so much in, in control of, of the game. And I was totally uh, surprised uh, um, that uh, Gladbach uh, uh, could turn it round uh, because they were, in a way, invited by, by Bayern. And uh, and I, I think there will be a lot of uh, discussions within the team. Shall we change our, our approach, uh, how we play? Does this, uh, it's obviously that this high defending that they were so fantastic at uh, this season doesn't work. I think it's explainable. Uh, because they didn't have a, a proper preparation for the season, because uh, they were preparing for the um, Champions League tournament in 
in, in Lisbon, you can, uh, if you look around Europe, you see that all the big teams, um, uh, Liverpool and Juventus and so on, they are, are struggling uh, right now because of the, um, uh, the amount of matches they have to play and so on and, and so on. And in the end, maybe uh, Kevin's advice is, is the best. Just stick to the plan and learn to not learn to lose, but, but learn to accept that there will a defeat here and there. Because um, I think this season uh, we won't see uh, any teams in Europe winning their league with uh, getting close to 100 points or, or so. So um, every, everybody will be losing here and there. And um, But you just have to take care that it, uh, it won't happen too often. And if you look at Bayern, they only gave away uh, two games uh, so far uh, compared to the seasons before uh, it's a lot already but as uh, as I said before it's a very special season this one yeah I think you're right the, the one thing that worried me from Bayern's perspective was how effectively almost easily they were shut down in the second half once Gladbach took the lead I mean Bayern had a lot of possession but had absolutely nothing to show for it I think there was a combination of, of factors at play there the fullbacks right now don't seem to work at the same level that they used to. Davis is still coming back from from injury, doesn't quite look his old self. Benjamin Pavard is having sort of a slight mini mini crisis. There's only Joshua Kimmich uh, once, so he can't put him in midfield and on the right at the same time. <laughs> and now I know that to a man with a hammer, every problem looks like a nail and <laughs> to a man who loves Thiago, every problem looks like Thiago's <laughs> not there. But even being cognizant of that bias, I still believe that that lack of structure and possession refinement that Bayern have leads to more turnovers and then creates even more pressure on them to win the ball back and exerts even more energy of them. So if they had a bit more structure in possession and be, be a bit more pressing resistant... I think they'd be doing a lot better as well. But uh, the kind of players that they bought for that um, haven't been in the team at the moment. Uh, Mark Rocker, for example. So, yeah, I think those those issues might might persist. Now, what about Gladbach, though? I mean, for them, it was a it was a big game. It was talked up in some quarters as sort of being almost a decisive game of the season. I, I'm not sure that really was the case because the proof in the pudding for them will not be whether they can beat Bayern or not but whether they can pick up points more consistently against opposition that they're expected to beat they are now much closer to the Champions League places again four points of Dortmund and seventh but a result and a performance that can give them kind of a boost and 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 maybe help them in in, in the next few weeks or an isolated flight of fancy I think psychologically this is massive for two reasons for them I think the first is, we talked about sticking to the plan with Bayern. Gladbach stuck to the plan all the way through the game and it would have been very easy to abandon it with everything going horribly wrong in the first half hour. But they kept believing that they could set traps for Bayern. They kept believing they could win the ball high up the pitch. And when they did win that ball high up the pitch, that they had the quality of Lars Stindl to be able to play those passes. And they had the finishing ability, who knew, of Jonas Hoffmann uh, to uh, to convert those chances. And 
it was a terrific display in that regard in terms of the effort, the pressing, but then that clinical edge in front of goal. I think the other reason it's important is because the game very much switched in that second half. Once they took the lead, it was then about whether they could be solid and whether they could hold on to that lead. And we've seen time and time again, yes, they qualified for the last 16 of the Champions League, and that's a massive achievement, but they nearly blew it. And the reason they nearly blew it is because along the way in that group stage, they led 2-1 in Milan against Inter and they only drew 2-2. They led against Real Madrid, should have won that home game, only drew 2-2. And in the Bundesliga, we've seen them cough up late goals time and time again. So for them to actually keep by an arm's length in the way that they did in the last half hour of that game, I think will prove something to themselves. And I think that is important for them going forward. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Right. Perhaps the third biggest game, at least from Schalke's point of view, was their 4-0 win of Hoffenheim. That long, long record of winless games finally coming to an end just before they were beating Tasmania Berlin's record of 31 games without a win. 4-0 against Hoffenheim, uh, a real explosion of goals and and good football in stages. In hindsight, it, it looks perhaps almost probable that Hoffenheim might be the team providing uh, Schalke with that first first win because they had been very, very shaky. But I don't think any of us expected Matthew Hoppe to score <laughs> a hat-trick. <laughs> and Sead Kolasinac having a, a real impact in his first game back as as captain and left-back. Um, Christoph, as a, a Ruhrpott native, you must have been pleased, I think, that Schalke found, found a bit of of joy and happiness for once. Not because I'm a Ruhrpott native, but but uh, uh, I was actually feeling for the players I, I, uh, for many weeks because uh, I think rarely in the history of the Bundesliga, a group of players has been in such a depressing state. I mean, if we go back to Tasmania, um, uh, they were like on holidays in the Bundesliga when you look at their story. Because they, I mean, we, we heard it all before. They came up uh, literally from holidays and had to start in the Bundesliga two weeks later and so on. And uh, nobody expected f- uh, anything from them. So it was a complete different story here with Schalke. 
And um, yeah, and, and so in that respect, uh, um, I, I can feel for them and I can uh, can feel for their happiness. I mean, they had so much bad luck over the season. I mean, there is this uh, very, <laughs> very nice quote from Clemens Tönnies, who sometimes, so, so the, the gone big man at, at, at Schalke, the, the gone big boss, uh, who was saying if we would start selling coffins, uh, people would uh, uh, stop to die. And, uh, <laughs> and that was a little bit the impression that Schalke made. And now, for the first time, they had an almost perfect uh, game. They, they could have conceded goals early um, uh, from Hoffenheim. And, uh, and I think if, if they had, maybe we had seen the same uh, pattern again, dropping heads and uh, uh, let, let the game slip away. But no, they, they, they didn't concede goals because Ralf Fehrmann was, uh, was doing well. A, a surprise decision to put him in goal and not uh, Renault, who looked much uh, stronger during the season. But uh, Christian Gross was right in that respect and and um, Matthew Hoppe who ha is one and a half years with Schalke he played in the second uh, team on the fourth level of German football and scored one goal so far and now he is scoring three goals and Amin Harit who scored the fourth and uh, provided the first three I mean uh, when you looked at him at at uh, recent weeks um I mean you you, you were thinking that his um not so so well playing uh football twin brother was on the pitch and now um obviously uh, Harit came back from some imaginary holidays or I don't know what 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 happened so altogether it was the perfect uh the perfect game that uh, Schalke was having and uh yeah, and I think the, the happiness uh, still today is overwhelming. I think the key is the first goal, because I think if Hoffenheim scored that first goal, we might have seen what we've seen with Schalke time and time again, which is the heads go down, they start to panic and things unravel. But because Fairman had the performance that he had, they were able to stay in the game. And you could see once they got that first goal from Hoppy, and all the while I was thinking... Could have been Akhman Kutuju. If only they'd given him that faith, but never mind. Um, so they were able to build upon that. They were able to go on and complete uh, that incredible win. I'd actually be quite annoyed in some ways if I was a Schalke fan by Arit's performance because I'd be thinking, where's that been for months? We know he's talented. We know that when actually... They were going really well in the early part of last season, which seems about 10 years ago now. But when they were doing really well in the early part of last season, uh, he was uh, making goals, scoring goals, but it all fell away. And so they need him to be consistent between now and the end of the season if they're going to get out of trouble because they still have work to do. Yes, they're off the bottom, uh, but they do still have a, a gap to bridge. So uh, a big first step, psychologically absolutely massive, but still work to do. Well, indeed, Schalke are still in the bottom section of the table now in 17 for just seven points after 15 games, but only, only four points adrift from the relegation playoff spot, which is currently held by Köln. And Köln is a team and a club that we haven't talked about a lot in uh, this pod so far. And perhaps the less said, the better. But um, I think we need to mention the fact that they lost 5-0 against Freiburg. First of all, because Freiburg had a really good game and uh, again, are, are slowly but surely creeping up the table. 
I think five games in a row they've won now. So yeah. whoever picked them to maybe go down this year, uh, and I'm of course um, looking in the mirror at this point, um, should should hang their head in shame as usual for getting it so wrong. But uh, Köln, I mean, what's going on there? I mean, there's there's issues off the pitch, Kustov. Uh, there's issues on the pitch, and they look like a team that, um, if anything, could be even worse than Schalke this year? When we look at, at last season, they were in a similar situation before Markus Giskol came in. The situation was even worse. So the, uh, around Christmas, um, you had the impression as if they would be uh, yeah, the team to go down. And then uh, Markus Giskol um, came in and uh, in a spectacular fashion turned things around uh, for, for Cologne. But I think in general they they weren't able to 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 solve their problems. They especially up front. I mean they they are um, we, we we have the it's a similarity to Schalke and also to Bielefeld that we have uh, three teams uh, so far in the season that they they were almost no threat for the opposing goal and. Um, that's interesting uh, to see they um, bought um, Sebastian Anderson from, from uh, Union Berlin, who is out now with injuries. Uh, we have Anthony Modest, who looks like, um, yeah, like another player as he was when, when he had his heydays at, at Cologne. And, um, but it's not only because of the strikers, it's also because of the whole build-up of, of, of the game. And... Um, and I have the impression that Marcos Gistol so far hadn't found any solution to, uh, to to create something like an attacking game. And and on the on the other hand side, especially at uh, Freiburg, you could see that the um, defensive foundation is has become very shaky. So uh, the situation is bad actually at Cologne. But but we have this tiny group of or small group of uh, underperformers at the end of the um, of the um, uh, Bundesliga table. Maybe they are not even underperformers. They are just playing bad football and. Uh, and out of the, I think, four teams, uh, one will be lucky uh, to, to escape it and, and one uh, will be lucky to get into relegation, whoever that might be. Horst Helt, the sporting director, has been very staunch and, and public in his backing of Marcus Gisdol. And I, I struggle to see why, quite frankly, because if you look at Gisdol's entire reign, you're only really looking at one eight or nine game burst, which admittedly was very impressive when he brought in all the kids, uh, guys like Ismo Jacobs, uh, Jan Thielmann came in, um, Noah Katterback came in at left back, and they all did very, very well for a couple of months. And that's effectively what got them out of trouble. But I think they've only won twice since the return from lockdown, which is an appalling record. And they have spent a fair bit of money on that squad uh, not recently, but in general, uh, I felt it was a good squad when they came up from the second tier. And I still feel they should be doing far, far better uh, than they are at the moment. So I think the, the finger of blame has to point at the coach. 
I know that generally is the temptation, but I think in this case it is absolutely true because I don't think Gisdol, over his time at Köln, has really shown that he's the man to take that team forward. Yeah, and it remains to be seen whether Bo Svensson, the new Mainz coach, is the man to take them forward. They were a little bit unlucky to lose 2-0 in the derby against uh, Frankfurt, two penalties that they gave away fairly carelessly. They're down in uh, 18th spot with only six points. But it was a big weekend for Bielefeld, who managed to beat Hertha and have pulled off the feat of being in 15th spot with 13 points and only 10 goals scored. <laughs> 10 <laughs> goals in 15 games. Now, if you saw the game, Kevin, I know, actually, have a good, good authority that you did see the game. Yes. Uh, or you had to see the game, um, especially the first half. It didn't necessarily look as if Bielefeld would score, but they managed a, a superb strike from Yabo and Hatta did absolutely nothing. And that was the story of the game. But enough for Bielefeld to have a bit of hope and enough, or not enough for Hatta, I should say, to deliver another Bruno Labbadia de- debate and... Uh, you know, questions over his future. Yeah, I think if we start with Hertha, it was a really poor performance and they only really came to life towards the end of that second half and it was too late by then. They'd lost the initiative, they'd been outworked, they'd been outmuscled in that second half and you look at the quality that they had on the pitch at the top end. Yes, Matus Cunha was out uh, with a groin injury and he is their most naturally gifted player in attack. But they still had John Cordoba, who I think is a very, very good centre forward. Christoph Piontek came on, had a goal ruled out for handball quite rightly. And they had Dodi Lukabakio, who, if you look at the numbers, is, is you know very effective on a regular basis in the Bundesliga in terms of scoring goals and making goals. So they had the quality there. I still think they have a massive problem at fullback because I think fullback is such a an important position these days in modern football. And they seem to be the real weak links for me in that Hertha team. And they, they struggle to produce complete performances. There are bits that are good. There are players that are good. I thought Genduzi was very active and constantly trying to get involved. Uh, but they do look as a unit as if it's a unit that's malfunctioning. On the Bielefeld side of things, there's a real echo of uh, Ralf Hasenhüttl's Ingolstadt for me, the kind of team that will fight for every inch, the whole any given Sunday thing, the whole Pacino speech. They will absolutely scrap in every game. They don't have the quality in midfield to create lots of chances. Fabian Close will batter defenders all game and will do his job effectively, but he's not getting any service. But if they could improve things like the set plays, because that's a real problem at the moment, Ritsu Duan could not take an effective corner or a free kick all game. We know how good he is in open play, but if they could find somebody who could deliver good set plays... I think they've got a fighting chance because they're not going to blow teams away. They're not going to be able to shred teams with wonderful passes from midfield, but they will fight every single minute of every single game. I'd like to add something on on, on Hertha, um, and that's a wild speculation. Oh, um, we love those. Yeah, We like that. <laughs> <laughs> I thought so. And uh, I, I think that it's, it's evident that um, uh, Bruno Labbadia um, is, is uh, for whatever reason, not able to develop this Hertha team. 
And if they think of replacing him, and if we think about the deep pockets that Hertha has and the ambitions that Hertha has, what about Thomas Tuchel as a as a coach for um, for for Hertha? Uh, I think that would be a sign of of their ambition that they showed on the transfer market, where they spent a lot of money last winter, this summer, and so on. Brought in some big names that hadn't have so uh, so fantastic performance so far, and. Uh, yeah, maybe uh, that's that could be a project uh, interesting for for some somebody like uh, Tuchel because the money is there. It's a big city. It's a it's it could be an interesting project, maybe even for him. What do you think? Mm, I think it's possible. I, I give you more speculation. Um, you know that Mark Kozicke, the agent of uh, Jurgen Klopp, is in the advisory board, but he also looks after Ralf Rangnick. If you think of, you know, a project, uh, a club that needs expertise beyond the coaching, it could be a similar story to Hoffenheim and, and Leipzig, possibly. But but that would mean that Rangnick would come in as uh, a replacement for Michael Pretz and uh, he would... I, I think he, I, I wouldn't expect him to become a, a coach anymore but because I think he... He sees his role nowadays, or not only nowadays, but in in recent years, more on the uh, on the level as a technical director or sports director, or so on. And uh, yeah, I, I, I see it um, that he might come in with somebody with a, a coach he is trusting. Yeah, that could be also an option. But Rangnick might want to do both. If you look at the fact that not that long ago, he was linked with a dual role at Milan, effectively a coach and sporting director. And it was only because they've done so well under Stefano Pioli that he walked away and they walked away from the possibility of him coming in. If he could do both roles, obviously with some help, uh, but if he could do both roles, that might be an attractive possibility as well but I wonder if maybe uh, he wants a more established club that he could win trophies with but I think the Tuchel one's interesting because he would certainly improve them in an attacking sense and I think that's probably what they need because we know that Labadee is an organizer he steadied the ship he got them to the point uh, where they weren't going to go down now it maybe needs somebody to take them on a further step. Mm, but if it is indeed Tuchel or Rangnick um Either of them working with Michael Pritz should be should make for a very interesting um, <laughs> scenario. Before we go, I think we have to give our customary uh, name check to Union Berlin. Uh, huge setback for them; they dropped two points <laughs> in the race of the Champions League. You laugh, you laugh, but it is true. Um, they're now three points off the top four after a pretty wild and entertaining two to draw against Wolfsburg, and that's not something that you necessarily say often about Wolfsburg games uh, but it was a good game to watch and Süddeutsches take I saw this morning Christoph was that Union showing that they're not quite a super team yet <laughs> is that what you took away from that game uh, what, what I, uh, I was actually there in the stadium and what I took home from there is um, how surprised I, I am uh, still that they are yeah that that it was a a normal game between two teams of similar quality 
And I mean, if we, if, if we still have to keep in mind that um, uh, Union Berlin is the has a, 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 a squad um, that is the uh, second cheapest um, in, in the Bundesliga, I think only Arminia Bielefeld has less money to spend on that team. And and you 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 look look at this match and and uh, you you see two teams who are level uh, all together, and and also if you keep in mind that there are several players missing for for Union, especially Max Kruse, Jan Perlo, and um, uh, Christian Gentner, and and so on and and so on, and and that uh, astounds me still massively so you, you look at the match and think oh it's okay 2-2 they could have won and uh, uh, but, but it was a normal game between two teams of similar quality and that is a such a huge uh, sensation it's uh, it's unbelievable Urs Fisch has done such a terrific job as coach of Union and I think when Max Kruse got injured we wondered are they going to be able to play this attacking football that they have been playing, this progressive football? But what he did is he he went back to basics, effectively, because he put Geraldo Becker in a front two with Taiwo Awoni, and that's worked incredibly well because Becker has so much pace. I mean, in the second minute, he showed incredible pace to get to a loose ball ahead of the goalkeeper, Castells, and then he puts the ball wide inexplicably and then scores an absolute banger 25 minutes later. So he's been great since moving into the centre. Awoni feels trusted, has had a good run in the team, is scoring goals. But I guess what we did see... Once Wolfsburg went down to 10 men, we actually saw which is the team that has perhaps a little more experience at this level in the sense that Wolfsburg kept the ball very, very well. They kept Union at arm's length and they kind of negated that numerical superiority. That's going to take time. It's only Union's second season at this level. They'll learn eventually how to deal better at this level with that kind of situation. But they are having just the most remarkable season. And all of the parts of the team, the goalkeepers making saves, the defence looks solid. Guys like Andre should working really well in midfield. And that front two looks great. Yeah, less great was Leverkusen's performance. Um, they were a little bit undercooked as they drew 1-1 against Werder Bremen. Not that much happening. Um, certainly not by way of an attacking force from Leverkusen there in third now, still 29 points, four off Bayern. But Stuttgart, I think, deserve another mention. Another really fantastic barnstorming performance. 4-1, they beat Augsburg. Presidential issues off the pitch, not so much. On the pitch, no problems at all. Another really controlled, but at the same time, thrilling 4-1 win. Um, Christoph, we have to take them quite seriously, this team, don't we? Yeah, I mean, it, they are constantly in the competition with Union Berlin, who is uh, the surprise team uh, of the season. And uh, and I think it's it's important. It was an important win for them. Um uh, in, in in the context of of these uh, power struggles uh, uh, for the for the uh, 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 president's position at at Stuttgart that we have been talking about last week and uh, because you 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 could have thought that my maybe the all these um, yeah discussions and so on that they it, it would disturb the uh, sporting uh, part of of the club but uh, as we could see at Augsburg it didn't they 
uh, where they are s still the team that scored the most goals away from home. Very impressive and um, played very entertaining football. So back on track and um, and that's important uh, that uh, these uh, struggles um, didn't interfere uh, as much as some people were thinking before. Feels like there's a really nice balance to the side as well. They've got strength in midfield through Wataru Endo, but they've got great pace in attack. Wamangatuka has been fabulous so far, and there's a real fearlessness about how they play. And they've got a strong squad as well. If you look at Sasha Kalajic, who started the season scoring plenty of goals, uh, he's not a starter on a regular basis now. So Pellegrino Matarazzo, who's been brilliant as coach, has got plenty of options. So there's no reason why they can't continue like this. And if they could somehow start picking up more points at home as well, a run for top eight, top six isn't totally out of the question, given the way this season has gone. Yeah, and I think we can't really praise Stuttgart enough. Um, amazing achievement already to be nowhere near the relegation places after 15 games in 21 points. And uh, maybe a outside chance to even get into the Europa League places. They're only four points adrift. Um, a tremendous work there being done by... Uh, Pellegrino and Mislintat and Hitzelsberger. But I think we've mentioned every single team this this week. Um, so much going on. Uh, a wonderful match day for all sorts of different reasons. But first of all, of course, for, for Schalke, who are no longer um, in danger of being the worst Bundesliga side in history. That's something. But... Um, Hopefully, there can still be a Bundesliga side at the end of the season. And that's all we have time for today. Thank you very much, Christoph and Kevin, for coming on. Thank you very much, dear listener, for tuning in. We'll be back next week. Bye-bye. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.